What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Smith of Kentucky Daily. I wanted to get on here and record an opening to this episode because Isaiah Jackson has declared for the 2021 NBA draft. The reason I want to record something is because in the episode you're about to hear, we discuss Chris Fisher's report on the catspaws.com Tuesday night that Isaiah Jackson would declare for the draft and test the waters, but that news was not official at the time that we recorded this episode. As soon as we finished recording and I started editing the show, Isaiah did tweet and did post to Instagram that he will be declaring for the 2021 draft, but is leaving open the option to return to Kentucky. So I just wanted to get on here because we didn't discuss that in the episode you're about to hear in an official status or anything like that because it had not been confirmed uh, with Isaiah himself. John Calipari did have this to say. Isaiah made unbelievable strides to put himself in a position to test the waters. He grew throughout the year and became more confident on both ends of the floor. He has a tremendous ability as a defensive player and really grew and developed his offensive game as the season wore on. I am anxious to see how this process plays out for him. I wish him nothing but the best, and he and his family know they have my full support with whatever they decide. If he does come back, I'll be really excited about coaching him but I know it is in his best interest to pursue this opportunity and process. Uh, so like I said, I wanted to get on here and at least discuss that, get that information out there to you. Uh, that way you don't think that we're just passing over that when you listen to this episode of Kentucky Daily, whether it's Wednesday night, Thursday morning, or late Thursday, possibly Friday. I wanted to make sure that information was included in the podcast. Derek and I will be sure to discuss it tomorrow, especially John Calipari's comments and the fact that Isaiah – is leaving open the option to return. Uh, now, I should note that Isaiah could hire an agent and still return. Uh, it says Jackson does not plan to hire an agent at this time, although he can sign with an NCAA certified agent, receive feedback, and still return to school. Uh, so kind of another domino here in the offseason process with Kentucky men's basketball. We will follow this situation over the next couple of weeks and into the coming months as Kentucky's roster kind of takes shape. Uh, for the 2021-22 season. But let's go ahead and jump into the latest edition of Kentucky Daily. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. Joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you today? Doing well, Sean. Hanging in there. Uh, nothing, nothing too much going on today, huh? In the, in the UK world, but we'll come up with some stuff and uh, keep delivering. We're on a pretty good streak right here uh, in terms of in terms of episodes. So hopefully everyone's been able to download all of them. I know we've had some on top of the others, but uh, I would say Liam Cohen's interview from Monday is still relevant. Of course, John Hale joined us yesterday, talked a little spring football, basketball. Um, so if you've not got a chance to listen to those, check those out. Yeah, and honestly, none of the content's really outdated. You could even go back to the episode where we talked about Dante Allen and his his uh, yeah. the report that he's returning. You can I noticed that one was still moving today. 
Uh, as always, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Palmville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and then a third location opening in London, Kentucky on April 15th. Today is St. Patrick's Day, Derek. They literally have green wings and green beer on the menu today. So if you listen to this episode in time and can make it out to one of those locations, uh, do so. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or you can check them out on Facebook. As you said, Derek, there's not been a lot of news, really, really quiet. We expect that to kind of change here in the near future with all the decisions that are still in play for the Kentucky basketball roster. But uh, your coworker, Chris Fisher, at the Cat's Paws did report yesterday that Isaiah Jackson's father tells him that Isaiah will test the NBA draft process but leave open the option to return to Kentucky next year if he chooses to do so. Yeah, and I think that second part's going to be temporary. Um, I don't. I think once he gets this information, he, he won't have much of a decision to make. Um, although he is varying a little bit, cert- certainly well within the range where he should leave and go get paid. I saw on the Athletic, he was up to number seventeen um, in their draft spot, and then I also noticed on that same one that B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark both in the thirties now. So those two guys are second-round picks. I think Clark had kind of fallen off there for a while. I don't know if just coming in to play a few games or play a few minutes, I mean, helped him or what, or maybe just the athletics been a little bit higher on him than some others. But, no, Isaiah is, is a guy that out of everyone who's making a choice, he seems to have kind of the least choice to make, if that makes sense. I mean, he, he I don't think anyone expects him back next year. I'd, I'd be shocked if he's not a lottery pick when the draft comes around, honestly, uh, if, if workouts, if they get to do workouts and get evaluated and things, he's a guy that's going to pop off the page easily. Uh, Kentucky have it being at Kentucky obviously helps too, Derek. We've seen that multiple times that some of these NBA franchises, they, they fall in love with Kentucky guys. It, it's worked for them. Uh, you see a story like Emmanuel quickly right now with the Knicks late first round pick looking like he probably should have been a lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, he's been a – I think he's exceeded everybody's expectations. First, maybe exceeded on draft night. Uh, I know going up to the draft, a lot of places had him still going in the second round. The Thunder take him at 25, trade him over to the – or I think it was 25, trade him over to the Knicks. And, I mean, he's earned his first start earlier, um, either this week or, or last week. But he's doing great in New York. Obviously, Julius Randle's having a, a career best season. But, no, I'm with you, and I thought Isaiah's best moments this year, probably the Tennessee game is where it felt like he really – you just he flashed so much that game. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's going to have his struggles. He's someone who is going to definitely, definitely, definitely going to need some time to develop. But you think about Isaiah Jackson at 23 years old, 24 years old, why he could be in the league once he continues to develop his offensive game. I'm not sure he's a guy that, you know, a franchise is going to be built around. But he will be a steady player, I think, for many years in the league. He adds wins to somebody's roster, whoever gets him. Obviously, they're getting a really good player. But, yeah, we're under the assumption that he will not be on Kentucky's roster next season. I think that we kind of turned that page in January probably uh, when we started realizing that he won't be there. Obviously, uh, Isaiah, when it comes down to it, he will officially announce that he's entering the draft. They, They always do it on their own time. Uh, even though, you know, it has been reported, it will still come from Isaiah whenever that post comes out. And I'm starting to think that we might 
if we don't hear anything tomorrow, Derek, as far as NBA decisions, I, I could honestly see it being held off until next week and then kind of starting on Monday or something like that because we're now kind of getting – we're midweek, moving into the later part. The NCAA tournament actually officially starts tomorrow. The play-in games are tonight. But Isaiah Jackson, expect that out the door. So far we have Devin Askew's dad has, has told KSR that Devin will be back next season. Uh, Dante Allen uh, told the Falmouth Outlook, his, his mom told the Falmouth Outlook that he will be returning to Kentucky. And then there was some reports uh, last night about Lance Ware. But it's some of these things, it's going to have to be confirmed uh, as we go throughout the spring because obviously things could change. For sure. I, I agree with you there. Um, maybe something tomorrow. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, there's probably not a rush. Um, for this NBA stuff, I don't even know what the deadline is to put. You got to think teams will be playing for three more weeks. So, isn't it wild that we're to a point though to where it doesn't matter who the player is on this roster if anything comes out that they are coming back, it's a huge story. Like it's crazy yeah, to think that like we're to a point to where Lance Ware making a decision here in the next couple of weeks if he decides to come back, it's pretty it's groundbreaking news. Because it doesn't happen in Kentucky. It's like Keon last year, when you know his dad come out. Like Keon literally was like four points a game, and it was huge news for the program. Like it's crazy to think that that's where we are. That anyone that returns for another season, it's considered a big deal. Yeah, and that's what drives people crazy. Is because uh, that should be a given, right? For Lance Ware, Devin Askew. I mean, even Dante. Yeah, but I, mean, I can see the Dante stuff just because of being a local guy, but. That is definitely something that has changed over the last few years. I mean, even I'm thinking even like recent history. Like I don't remember it being a huge deal when Wendy and Gabriel announced he was coming back. I do remember Briscoe was having some kind of build because I think he went all the way up until the deadline. Those guys who run it all the way as far as they can, that usually gets a little bit more play. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like it shouldn't be a big deal if Lance Ware announces that he's coming back, but uh. It is, and it's probably the it's the difference here at Kentucky versus other schools is maybe you assume at other schools that a guy who didn't do a whole lot will be coming back. There's really no reason to even speculate it, whereas at Kentucky, with just the amount of attrition that we've seen over the years, you have to think that it's possible that a kid could decide on anything. And, you know, we were talking before we got here. I'm not trying to undermine anybody's reporting. Um, no, we're it's not. Just, you, you just, you know – you probably should wait on something. And that's the thing, like somebody might say today or this week that they plan to come back, but who, who knows what the situation could be two weeks from now. You're about to see more coaching change. Well, maybe not a whole lot more coaching changes. Probably most of them that are going to happen have already happened just because a little bit more rare that a team that makes sense by tournament well, will not have its coach next year. But like there's just situations can change. The, the reason they could change is this roster is nowhere near being set. Right. Like you don't know who's going to be added from transfer or something like that. So obviously you you kind of want to wait and see when it's what's all said and done, but you're, you're right. We're not trying to take away from anyone's reports or anything like that. Like I, uh, I retweeted things. I put them out there too. I mean, it's, it's huge news uh, when Devin asks you and these guys decide to, when their parents come out and say it. And usually Derek, if it's a parent that says it and a parent is quoted, it's something that's it's, it's kind of – you have some ground there to kind of run with it. There's some traction there. 
But if it's just something saying that a player said something, I, I just don't know. You know, you want to see something quoted before you really run with it. Definitely. And again, I mean, like like you said before I got on here, I, I don't think. I mean, perhaps it could happen because things a lot of things happen on Zoom these days. Perhaps Cal has began begun some of those meetings with players, but I, I think it's probably safe to say that process hasn't even started yet, or maybe it has, but. Who knows after the details Cal will give somebody. I don't know. Have you think those meetings have started? I mean, Fletcher already made a decision, but I kind of feel like Fletcher knew. I think that was done. That was coming anyway. Yeah, yeah. as quick as that happened. I mean, he, he sent players home, right? Like all the guys are home, if I'm not mistaken. Is that what he said yeah. on the radio Monday night? Yeah, uh, I believe so. I'm going to say they they lost on Thursday. I, don't, I think Friday was too soon to have meetings. Uh, families – I'm, I doubt families came in, Derek. Like, you know, most of the time these guys will meet with Cal along with their family and get some, you know, some advice. Maybe this was, you know, I'm going to send them off for a bit, and then they'll come back, and then that's when conversations, you know, kind of happen. And probably this year there won't be any need to have an in-person meeting if you can just do things on Zoom yeah. um, when they're home. So, yeah. That was the I guess that was the news yesterday that came out. Not not really a whole lot today, um, in terms of UK, but kind of some things in the UK. Uh at least guys who had connections to UK formerly. Um actually do we do we want to give any credence to this Twitter account that tweeted that Tony Barbie was like a leader at Fordham? Uh, I'm not sure if that was true. Just probably worth saying though that I would say Barbie is probably on the radar for some teams. I don't know, you know, if it's Fordham or, or whatnot, but he he's the guy to watch. I mean, he's the only one right at this point who's been linked at all on UK staff to any kind of job because he, he was. I mean, there were some credible. I think ESPN had mentioned him with some like as possible a guy who could be a possible target for. I do Fordham think schools. that we're nearing a point to where Tony Barbie probably won't be on staff much longer because I do think that Tony will be a head coach somewhere. I think we're moving that way. Um, He's still – he's not old, Eric. He still has a lot of career left, and you know he wants to try that again. You you know you're also getting to a point with Joel Justice, who is going to take a head coaching job here. You know it's coming. At some point, both those guys will be gone. Uh, we're not sure when, but there's so many things going on right now, and it comes to NBA decisions. It comes to transfers. Jamal Bashburn Jr. is in the transfer portal today, and I know Kentucky fans <laughs> probably instantly were like, "This kid, you know, connecting it to Kentucky." I would lean more that he probably goes and plays for Rick Pitino. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. Or like, I mean, hell, he could go play for Pitino Jr. again. He <laughs> could. Mexico if he wanted to. He could. So, uh, really, don't know exactly. Obviously, when it, there's a connection to UK or a, a former UK player, obviously it's going to dominate. Uh, the headlines and things like that. So I'm sure Kentucky fans have probably Googled Jamal Mashburn Jr. a ton today just wanting to know. I remember when he was a recruit, you know, I remember Joe Masato wrote a story on him. Kentucky fans were going nuts over the fact that Cal hadn't even talked to him. Yeah, and he didn't really turn out to be that big of a recruit. I mean, I know he's a four-star, but he, you know, if he ended up at Minnesota, obviously the connection was there. With Didn't shoot the ball very good there this year either. No, and he was a young kid. I mean, yeah. we'll see. I think he's a decent player. But uh, I guess the the more firm news, and I know we wanted to get into this topic tonight, um, Jeff Goodman reported, maybe some others too, but I saw Jeff Goodman reported that Kenny Payne, yeah. of course, long-time U.K. assistant now with the uh, 
Nick, who we were talking about earlier with Quickly and Randall, uh, either has interviewed or will interview with Dwayne Peavy at DePaul. So I guess, Sean, how do you think his – two things. How good of a shot do you think he has at that job? And then two, knowing that he just got to New York less than a year ago, how eager or uh, – I guess, yeah, do you think he'll be wanting to hop back into college coaching that quickly? There's one thing that I think makes it possibly happen and why I lean that he could be the next head coach there is it's the relationship with Dwayne Peavy. Mm-hmm. It's it's someone he's comfortable with. Uh, the, the other candidates were Mike Davis and who who was the third one? Damon Sotomayor, who okay. I remember from the NBA, well, uh, now Pacific. Yeah, and if you know, I'm, I'm sure Dwayne kind of has a relationship there with Mike too. I know Mike obviously coached Cal, Cal's son Brad at Detroit mm-hmm. Mercy, so you know there's a connection there. But having adding Kenny Payne to that list kind of makes me think that he's the guy. That if if Kenny wants the job at DePaul, I think Kenny will have the job at DePaul. Can and you you get a guy too, Derek? If he decides to go there, DePaul's not like a, a national powerhouse. You know, they're not like a, a a big time power program, but they're in the city of Chicago. And you get a guy like Kenny Payne, who we know builds relationships very well, and building relationships in college sports in any sport for that matter is one of the strongest things and characters that are characteristics that a coach can have and Kenny being able to do that in Chicago and that ear in that area I think could be very big for DePaul if he does decide to take it I mean I think I mean, you're talking about a program that's not been to the or to the NCAA tournament I think since 2004 yeah no pressure like right that. I mean you're going on 20 years if you're thinking about this from Kenny's perspective yes you're building a pretty nice resume I would say with your time at Kentucky and then I mean, you're looking like, a, you know, the big man whisperer like he was at Kentucky with, I mean, you think about Julius Randle's season that he's having now. Is it a coincidence that that happens as soon as Randle gets uh, – or as soon as Payne gets to New York? I don't know. I think you could probably draw some connections there. I think Payne would – the big thing is he's never been a head coach in college. So if you take that job, you'll be working for an AD who just got there, who you know, like you said, you know very well – Dwayne Peavy will be very, very patient there. with Kenny to get that place wrong. I mean, again, you've, you've not been to an NCAA tournament in damn near 20 years. I don't think, you know, you're not getting fired after three years at the Paul if you're not that great. You're going to get some time. Um, I, it's interesting to me because if I, I wish I knew more about it. I don't know what other jobs Kenny might be in play for. I, I would say if he gets a chance to take that job, he will have to strongly, strongly, strongly consider it. Yeah. Um, unless he believes he has some kind of avenue to be in maybe an NBA head coach, which I wouldn't say is impossible. I just don't know. It seems like he would be much closer to – I guess I'll put it this way. I think if he's going to take a college job this year, it would be DePaul. I couldn't mm-hmm. see him leaving for any other college I, job. I don't think he that, – that's the thing. Like, I just don't know if there's another one that he would go to at any point. It, it feels like when you when you haven't been a head coach and you have what you have going for you right now in New York at the NBA – I mean, he left Kentucky for a reason. You know, New York was attractive for a reason. You see the season that Julius Randle's having. You see what Emmanuel Quickly's doing. And I know that Kenny primarily has his hands with the bigs, but the fact that he's there obviously has kind of probably helped Emmanuel a ton, just having that oh, yeah. know, familiarity there. But 
it makes so much sense for Dwayne to be the guy that he decides to go work for. Like for all the reasons you mentioned, that Dwayne will be patient with it. It's a program who's not been in the NCAA tournament in a very long time. There's no pressure there. You're in a city that produces a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of talent that you probably don't see go to the Division One level, to like the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas. There, there's guys there in that city, Derek, that he could find that are probably kind of flying under the radar that could play at DePaul. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. I was talking to you about this before we started re- recording. There, there's obviously a lot of talk and has been a lot of talk about for, within the fan base with Kenny Payne possibly being the guy that replaces Cal at Kentucky. And you have said multiple times that you thought it was a better chance if he had just stayed with the program and then kind of transitioned because that's going to be the toughest thing when Cal decides to hang this up is you could see a, a thing where a, a coach comes in and literally has to recruit his own roster from the moment he gets on campus because how many guys are going to be left over. So I said this, like if he gets to DePaul, let's say that he just, let's just assume he takes the job. He does very well there. And may, is that his only stop? I don't know. Maybe he gets another one. How long does Cal stay at Kentucky? But if he shows some success as a head coach, then I think Mitch Barnhart maybe has even a little bit more uh, confidence in possibly Kenny being a candidate whenever it comes down to it. And who knows? When Mitch decides to hang it up, I would feel pretty confident that Dwayne Peavy would be at the top of the list to replace him as athletic director at Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, Mitch has produced a lot of great ones. Um, I think Dwayne would make sense because some of the other guys who have spent time at UK and gone on to be 80s elsewhere or at – I mean, you're talking about schools like Alabama and Florida – like those guys probably aren't leaving those jobs to come to UK. I can't imagine it's uh would be a I don't I wouldn't say it'd be a step down to be the AD at UK. I mean that's still a great job. For Dwayne, it is an obvious step up. And he's been here a long time, knows it well. He he pretty much was the A D of the basketball program yeah. a lot of times, which just all the things that he did with scheduling and and things like that for Cal. Even you know, Mitch is the A D, but Dwayne did a lot that I think was missed this season. I think Kenny is very well liked by the fans, by the other coaches. From a media perspective, he was by far their best talker. <laughs> Whenever he had a press conference, he was the I mean it was worth it was actually worth attending, worth listening to because your answer the questions you had would be answered. I like I like Kenny from that perspective. I, I still just think I mean, again, I guess it all comes down to the timeline. I just for him, he would have run the risk you know, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because had he stayed at Kentucky, I don't know that he just would have got promoted unless they were really, really looking for that internal yeah. continuity. But at the same time, when Kentucky is losing almost its entire roster anyway, perhaps that angle it would be overblown. So I, I think there will be more proven coaches who will have a better chance. And again, we don't know when this will actually be. Um, I, I do think Kenny, though – how old is Kenny? I mean, he's not exactly young, right? I think he's in his 50s. Yeah. He's been for a long time. Uh, he is 54. But he's and actually I, older than Mark Stoops, believe it or not. <laughs> and I don't think that even when it comes down to it, whenever it's time, and we don't know when that time will happen. It, it could be two to three years from now. I could still see it being six, seven, eight years from now, if, if Cal, or even longer. We don't know. But I don't think that Kenny will be target number one. Right. But maybe this move 
if he decides to take it and he decides to become a head coach at the collegiate level, I think it could at least move him into the pool of candidates if he is successful at DePaul, where with him being just an assistant with the Knicks, I don't know what that really would do because obviously you'd still be the head coaching factor would still be missing. So maybe it puts you in position to get to that point. I do think that there are candidates out there that I expect to be out there in, let's say, the next five to 12 years, if whenever the job's open, uh, that I think would be ahead of Kenny, obviously. I mean, there there's some names with some connections to the state of Kentucky and uh, some other really good coaches around college basketball, but it will be, it'll be something interesting to follow for sure. And regardless of what Kenny does, Derek, whether he stays with the Knicks and continues doing what he's doing there, because I don't think it's a coincidence that he gets to New York and they suddenly get better. And I I don't think it's a coincidence that he leaves Kentucky and there's suddenly a drop off. I the more that I will listen and the more that I look, I really think that Kenny Payne was a significant piece to success at UK. I think so too. I, I mean, think about DePaul. Like DePaul should not be as bad as it is. Like they they were horrible. Um, they have been horrible the last few years. I'm not saying they should be the best team in the Big East, but the Big East is still a very good conference. Like you said, you're in Chicago. There are players there. It's at least attractive. I mean, Chicago is a city. I feel like you could recruit, you know, nationwide to a city like that, one of the biggest cities in in the United States. So there's a lot of potential there. I, I think it would be a smart first head coaching job for Kenny Payne. I mean, I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to do it, unless yeah. he thinks, again, unless he thinks something bigger than that is around the corner. But you'd you'd be hard pressed, I think, to find a more, uh, I guess, a better situation to walk into than being with a guy you've known for a decade or more. I don't know how long he's known Dwayne Peavy, perhaps longer than that, at least a decade or whatever. Um, a place that is not really a winner, so a lot's not going to be expected of you right away. So I think a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people would cheer for DePaul if, uh, yeah. if Kenny Payne's hired there. They would. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, that that covers pretty much everything with the UK decisions, obviously, you know, Isaiah Jackson, that report. And then we wanted to discuss Kenny Payne and, and some of those topics, but Derek, we're, we're going to transition here in a few moments. And I, I want to get your thoughts on the impact of Reed Shepard over the next few weeks and what it's going to do to the state of Kentucky with no UK basketball. And then uh, I want to get your thoughts on a Kentucky football transfer who decided to enter the transfer portal. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Obviously, Bryce Oliver yesterday decided, you know, his name will go into the transfer portal. I know John Hale actually mentioned him as a receiver to watch. I think we all thought if he would be on the roster, 
he would be a name to watch. Uh, injuries certainly affected, you know, his impact at Kentucky, but it, it is he will not be in Liam Cohen's offense. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He he was actually a guy that I expected to move on. Um, I think, as you've seen, it just continues the South Florida exodus. Uh, it was a, a failed experiment overall, I would say, for Kentucky football. Luckily, they've they've hit on enough other places where it's not really been all that detrimental to the program. I mean, ultimately, it helped probably cost Eddie Granadier and Henshaw their jobs. But as a whole, Kentucky's program has, has been okay despite that. Uh, Bryce was a guy that, I mean, he saw flashes first game he really played. Uh, well, one, he had a big spring game back a few years ago, which can get you on the radar <laughs> when there's not much else going on. Had a good spring game, had some really great catches. First game of the season against Toledo, I believe, that year. He goes up, makes a great touchdown catch. Can you remember much else from him? I think he – Catch against Missouri, I think, in the rain. I was going to say, that's what I remember. Other than that – about it. Kind of just, uh, I guess we all kind of drooled at the thought of him being in the offense just to, to be an, a weapon. I mean, they we were searching for weapons last year as we watched that offense, and we kept kind of circling his name that if, if he had been healthy. But then again, Kentucky's issues at quarterback in the passing game, I, I think you could have probably had NFL wide receivers out there, and I don't think it would have mattered last year. But, um, yeah, like first day of spring practice, the, that news breaks and – the timing is weird. It, it was very, it was very weird, right? Like, uh, did he go through any of the stuff with Liam and decide it wasn't a fit? Did I don't know. I would say, um, I would say this had been in the works, but uh, is it weird to is it weird to see him not go through the spring and at least give it a shot? Like, or is is that surprising at all that he didn't go through the that spring? Probably, that probably tells me it was on UK's end. Yeah, encouraging him to move on. Um. Because think about it, and this was mentioned by uh, Josh Ali yesterday. I asked him about just – it wasn't really about the wide receivers, although I probably should have phrased it that way. They, they have so many kids going through spring practice this year. Stoops mentioned it. Uh, I mean, he obviously mentioned it as a good thing. I can totally see from a coaching perspective having a lot of guys there why it would be a good thing. But for Ali, he was talking about how many receivers and how it could be hard to get reps. So yeah. if you don't think a guy's going to be part of your plans anyway, why invest any kind of reps into him this spring? I say that. Knowing full well that uh, I cannot imagine, just cannot imagine a scenario where there are not more receivers who leave after spring. So yeah. there will be some guy, I guess, guys who they think might be on the fence or, or one yeah. or the other. There's gonna have to be at least because I think I, mean, I have it a pretty good authority that they're gonna want to add well, some more receivers from the transfer. At least that's what I was about to say. Is that you've been saying that you think they'll add at least one more after the spring for, for sure. And I mean, I mean, somebody else would have to go. There's still probably and it would be an. And the thing is, Derek, it would be an instant impact guy if they add one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be somebody that can come in and help. They get Trayvon Morgan too, who that's true. You know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, I think they sold him. I think I think he was being sold partially to be a wide receiver, but I think the long-term plan for him, I think the way Liam Cohen envisions that going is he will eventually be a tight end in this offense. But maybe for this year, they split him out. I don't know that he's that kind of instant impact guy, though. Um, and, again, we'll have to see if he goes into the portal. Um, I, I, don't, I don't I don't think it's going to be like a Wandell type by any means, but I think no. it could be compared to, you know, the guys UK has. It could be a guy that could definitely fit alongside Wandell. And, and Josh Ali and these other weapons, and that's the thing, right? You're, if you you want to get so many people that it kind of 
distributes and evens things out. I mean, you, you want to be able to help Wondell Robinson. But I think Josh Ali could be a guy that Wondell's going to require so much attention that Josh Ali could end up having a big year. That's what you want, and uh, I agree with you 100%. Also, too, uh, Liam Cohen really likes Kentucky's tight ends. He, he talked about that yesterday and compared it to what they were doing with their tight ends there in L.A., and uh, he really seems to like all those guys. He does, and I mean, he should. He ain't talking about a guy at Rig. He's got a lot of experience. Um, has generally been a reliable pass catcher for Kentucky and then Upshaw. Upshaw might not have the top end. You know, you watch some tight ends around the country. You can tell that they're Sunday players. I think Upshaw will have his chance to play at the next level because his, his body size. Um, you know, he's not the most, you know, he's maybe a little stiff, I guess you could say. But with a body that big, I mean, you saw it at Florida. Just throw him a jump ball, let him go up there and get it. Uh, Florida twice, actually. I was thinking just last year in the end zone. But his first career touchdown, as, uh, as my cat just jumped right on the mic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his first career touchdown at Florida was just, you know, he was just bigger than the DB. Went up and got it. So, yeah. Brenda Bates, too. Uh, Bates was, was doing some really good things last year before he unfortunately got hurt. And then you'll have Jordan Dingle come on campus this, this fall. I doubt he does a whole lot this season, but, hey, maybe he comes in, shows he's a little bit of a mismatch and, and can do that. But the future of that room is pretty good. But, I mean, everything's going to come back to the quarterbacks. And do you have any takeaways on his Will Levis comments? I think Will Levis is going to be the quarterback. <laughs> uh, that's 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 my takeaway, and I don't think that that's saying anything about Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen. I just think that there's a reason why Will Levis was added to the roster and to the room. Uh, it's a guy that Cohen was familiar familiar with, and I think it's someone that he trusts. And what it could be, Derek, is it it could be the bridge that kind of gets you moving at that position. That the, the that real the building block that kind of sets you into the future with this. And at some point we know it's going to be Bo Allen's team and that could be the bridge to kind of gap to close the gap there. Definitely. And uh, I'll say this too. I've, you know, it's not been a whole lot. They've only had what one practice now, but I've heard Kaya Sheeran is, is turning some heads over there doing a good job. Apparently he's a very, very smart kid and uh, he can throw it around a little bit too. So I don't think he's going to be in the mix for this, you know, this year. A true freshman, certainly not. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even consider adding guys like Levis if you thought you know, a true freshman would end up winning the job. But just for something down the road, he might be somebody to watch because he was that kind of kid. And I'm not trying to crown him as anything, but he was just, you know, he wasn't recruited by Cohen. He was, he was a Darren Henshaw recruit, and uh, you know, to be blunt, a lot of those Darren Henshaw recruits didn't turn out all that great, right? I mean, yeah. Stephen Johnson was a good find late in late in the cycle, and he. You know, Stephen gave all he had for Kentucky, but, you know, it's probably not a great thing that he has had the best numbers as a quarterback for, for the Stoops era. But if, if I mean, it would just be kind of kind of interesting if the last guy that that staff got uh, turned out to be one of their better ones. But that's going to be, you know, that's some time down the road before you would think he would even have a real, a real crack at it. But I thought it was encouraging to hear that, that so far he's done a pretty good job because I wasn't really sure how he'd fit. Yeah, and definitely we'll be following everything with spring football over the next couple of weeks. We'll be talking a lot about that. We'll be having some guests as well. But there's one more thing that I really want to get your thoughts on. I I teased it earlier talking about Reed Shepard. And for you all that listen to Kentucky Daily, Reed Shepard's probably going to be mentioned 
a couple times a month for sure, and probably even more as we go through the summer and what happens as he moves into his junior year in the fall. Eric, Dominique Hawkins, the year that he committed to Kentucky, and he was on that state tournament run there in 2013, it, Kentucky was not in the NCAA tournament. There was no Kentucky basketball to watch. They've been beaten first round of the NIT. There's no NIT right now. Kentucky fans are going, it's the second straight March that they haven't got to watch their team in postseason play. So Kentucky's not played an NCAA tournament game since their loss to Auburn in March of 2019. How much buzz will Reed Shepard create this postseason if North Laurel wins the 13th region and makes it to Rupp Arena? A lot. A lot of fans will be tuned in, won't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, you get the women's team that earned a four seed. They'll play Idaho State. Being being blunt, if they make the Sweet 16, they're probably losing there because they'll play UConn. Uh, I mean, if they if they manage to beat UConn, that'd be great. What I'm getting at, there will not be a whole lot going on, in, in the for UK basketball fans to really pay attention to. And I think it's almost it would take a major, major, major upset for another team in the 13th region to beat North Laurel. It would. I don't so, think anybody can score with them. No, nah, I don't either. Maybe the Red Hounds. Sean, don't give up on the Red Hounds. If, uh, let's say Corbin doesn't pull it off and North Laurel does win, I don't know what the capacity will be at Rupp. I mean, uh, probably the same as what it was for Kentucky basketball, right? I would guess. Um, 20, 25% or whatever it was. There will be a lot of buzz there. And, cause I mean, I think for some people, if those games are televised, are they televised these days? I'm assuming that those will be live streamed for sure this year. So you would think for a lot of people that might be the first time they've ever they ever get the chance to watch them. And because of that, I think, yes, there will be a lot of buzz there with him. And uh, obviously the coaches won't be allowed to be there or anything like that with, with the dead period still going on. But surely, surely they'll be tuned in. So, yes, I think you will hear – they actually had the bracket come out. I think I think the 13th region plays the 16th, so they'll be playing an Eastern Kentucky team. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't. If this was a normal year, and you had to kind of, well, wouldn't you say though, if this was a normal year, that a lot of a lot more people probably would have had the chance to have seen him already, and maybe there wouldn't be as much mystery surrounding him. I don't think there there wouldn't be as much mystery, but I, I still think the fact that getting to the floor at Rupp Arena and taking the floor yeah. in the place where his dad played, I think is what creates so much hype for it. I mean, you remember people watching Dominique Hawkins. Dominic didn't have an offer at the time, and uh, I could see something similar going on now. Unfortunately, it won't be a packed Rupp Arena. John Calipari won't be sitting courtside, but I would I would like to think that Cal might be tuning in, and some of the guys on staff for sure would be watching. Hey man, it was an NIT year as well, right? It was. So, <laughs> here. And I'm not saying that he's going to walk in this summer and get a UK offer, but I definitely think that him getting to Rupp Arena could. It's a really cool story. It is. I mean, it is, and it'll be written about a lot. I mean, you think about it from his perspective. If he sticks at North North Laurel for the rest of his career, I mean, this might be the first of three times or whatever he gets the chance to play there. Just yeah. a sophomore. I believe North Laurel's team is generally pretty young. I mean, shoot, if you got him, you have a chance. I mean, he he will not face a player on the court, at least in that region, better than him no. the rest of the time he's there. I mean, maybe once he gets to the state level. AAU ball, I mean, obviously in AAU, he'll 
or EYBL, whatever he plays, then he'll have some kids better than him. Yeah. Certainly. But at this level, I would say it would be a major upset if he doesn't get to play there a few times. And then you want to talk about some buzz. Oh, yeah. He's committed as a senior or whatever, maybe even next year. Full capacity at Rupp Arena. Yeah, it would would definitely be interesting. Um, It would kind of bring back, uh, I think for a lot of people, and this was certainly before my time, but, I mean, Kentucky basketball for the state tournament, it's always had a lot of uh, history involved, and it's something people talk about a lot. But, I mean, Dominique was not committed to Kentucky, though, right, during that state tournament? I believe it's where he earned his offer. He committed after it was. When was the last time that this. When was the last time a kid played in the state tournament and they, Darius Miller? Did they make it? They did. They won state when he was there. So actually, that was. Uh, was that the last kid to have that kind of experience? I think it was. So it doesn't happen a whole lot, and especially not in Eastern Kentucky. They have to go all the way back to what, like Richie Farmer, <laughs> somebody like that. So he, I think in that kind of like historical frame, it would be a very big deal as well. Yeah. I think so, too, and we just wanted to hop on here today, uh, doing our best to at least get five episodes out one day a week. Uh, Content kind of gets hard at sometimes, doesn't it, Derek, when we don't really have a ton to talk about, but we always sit down and we find something to discuss. Uh, One thing I do want to add is I want to say thanks to everyone who has been downloading the episodes uh, I put up a map on Twitter yesterday that showed pretty much our coverage, Derek, and you couldn't even see the Ohio Valley or the East Coast. We hit, we received so many downloads in that part of the country. The The podcast stretches to the West Coast, into Canada, uh, Texas, parts different parts of the country. Michigan was covered. Uh, we even had a couple of downloads. Uh, this is actually really interesting to me, and I would love to know who it is. Uh, we had four downloads in McHenry, Illinois, and that might seem really random to a lot of you. Like, everybody's probably like, why are, you, why are you so concerned about McHenry, Illinois? Well, it's weird. Uh, I actually spend a weekend every summer in McHenry, Illinois with Keeley's family, and we go over to Harvard, Illinois, for a, a festival called Milk Day, Derek. So I'm really intrigued to find out who is listening to Kentucky Daily in McHenry because I've asked people – that know me, and they say it's not them. So I just want to know, because that was one location on the map that stood out to me. Yep, tracking it down, got to figure out who it is. Yeah, so uh, if you listen for McHenry, uh, shoot me a message and let me know it's you, because I, I think that's really cool. And honestly, when you get into the mailbag and you submit a question, or if you just want to tell us where you're listening to the show from, send us a DM, send us a tweet, because I, I think it's very cool to see how far this show is going and just the passion the fans have, Derek, all the way across the globe, not just in the United States, but all over the country, all over the world, honestly. Yeah, and if you like the show, if you haven't subscribed or rated the show yet, please do so. It helps us a lot. I think I believe it helps the visibility of the show. So we would really appreciate it if you you know rated it five stars. Um, like Sean said, leave a comment. Leave, do whatever you want. Just let us know where you are, who's listening. Um, we, we have, I guess, dreams of this podcast down the road being more interactive in person. Hopefully, you know, not too much longer, but with COVID still a thing, it's going to be, you know, probably at least through the summer or whatnot. But, you know, we have desires of in-person shows. Hopefully we can get some fans out to, to check us out. But until then, uh, if you like it, yes, please, please subscribe, please rate it. And, uh, it really helps us out. Yeah. And, uh, 
be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Chrome, uh, or wherever you listen. I think we're on iHeart, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so go ahead and subscribe to those. Leave us a review. Uh, submit mailbag questions. We'll have a mailbag episode on Friday, so go ahead and start sending those in to me. Send them in to Derek, and then I will put a tweet up probably first thing tomorrow morning where you can start replying, but you can submit them to the uh, submit mailbag questions via DM, or you can tag us in a tweet. Uh, just get those questions in. Should be a big time episode coming up, Derek. I'm actually prepared to have a lot of questions about the the roster and basketball. And now with spring football, we'll probably have some uh, football questions as well. We'll be working on some guests here moving forward for the show, especially on the football side of things. And then uh, I think it'll be really cool, Derek. I know you and I have talked about getting someone in the draft analyst category to kind of come on and talk about some things about Kentucky's guys that are declare. And if there are any guys that just decide to test the waters. For sure. Yeah. I mean, probably need to do it for both sports really. We do. NFL, get an NFL guy on here to talk about Jamin and Kelvin. I mean, shoot, there's a bunch of them, Eccles, Young, all those guys. But yeah, I think that'd be, I think it'd be something good to, to have on here and get a fresh perspective. Cause that will be pretty big news here in a few weeks for sure. Yeah, and this, and this podcast is currently trending, I think, number 74 in the United States right now in, in the basketball category. It's uh, among some of the best, and that's because of each of you listeners who tune in daily. Uh, now that I know some locations, I see that you all download literally every single episode. You have no idea how much that means to me. I know I'll probably speak for Derek as well. Uh, we're grateful for this. We're grateful for the opportunity. Thankful for Blue Wire. Uh, like I said earlier, thankful for the Butcher's Pub for continuing to sponsor the show as well. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.